Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. It's been one whole year since a train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. We're talking about where things stand today. A beloved sign has taken back its rightful place on a Pittsburgh hillside. The new and improved Pro Bowl featured some very special locals and those portable bathrooms the city was so excited about over the summer. Well, they're already going away. It's Tuesday, February 6th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm with CityCast producer Sophia Lowe. Good morning, Sophia. Hey, Megan. So what are Pittsburghers talking about this week? So many things. We can get right into it. Our first item is actually an update, so not something entirely new. Yeah, one of the Pittsburgh potties, the mobile toilet in downtown on Smithfield Street. It is already getting removed. Boo, we need more public bathrooms. We've talked about this. They should be free and accessible. Um, And I do know this was supposed to be a pilot program, not permanent, but this still feels very sudden and fast, at least to me. Yeah, I mean, they haven't been up that long. They opened in September, mostly to keep folks from peeing on things, on stoops, on alleyways, sometimes right out in the open. But there's nowhere to pee downtown unless you buy something. So I get it. Yeah. And um, we reached out to the Pittsburgh Downtown Partnership about this, and they wrote, The Pittsburgh potty trailers were always planned to be a temporary solution until permanent facilities could be more available. And I want to know what the permanent solution is now if they are taking away the trailers. Exactly. Um, They say that one of the trailers is going to be replaced by public restrooms on the first floor of the Smithfield Liberty Garage on the Smithfield side. And that they're going to be open from 7 in the morning until 11 o'clock at night. So make sure you only have to pee then. And personally, I don't think it's intuitive to be looking for a public bathroom in a parking garage. So I hope there's like very good signage everywhere. Um, If you're listening to us, tell people that they're in the parking garage because I would not look there. Yeah, I mean, when I first moved to Pittsburgh, I looked for them in parking garages. But like you give up that quest really quickly (laughs) when you realize that that is a fool's errand. Um, They do say that they're going to have good signage. um, And I thought that this was really interesting. The parking authority person who manages that garage told one outlet that they're willing to keep the bathrooms open long term as long as the initiative doesn't affect the garage or its customers, which does not sound super promising to me. Okay, happy O and then more disappointing oh i guess we'll see what happens but there are also two uh trailers for the potties what is happening to the other one do we know that i mean according to reporting the pittsburgh potty at the gateway center is still there still safe for now um, but they are looking for another option so that they can remove that one too 
Got it. Hopefully, maybe not in a parking garage. Maybe it's somewhere <laughs> that's easier to find. Wouldn't that be incredible? Uh, well, what else should we know from the weekend? Yeah, so we're observing an unfortunate anniversary this past weekend. Saturday marked one year since the Norfolk Southern train derailment in East Palestine. We're oversimplifying, but a lot of toxic chemicals got released. There was a really bad fire. People had to evacuate their homes. And there's been a lot of follow up. I'm glad for that about what's happened after. Yeah, lots of um, local and national reporting on this. And we will have plenty of links in the show notes if you want to get caught up. Lots of different angles. Yeah, you were reading a ton about this. Was there anything in particular that stood out to you? Yeah, in terms of local reporting, I really appreciated Oliver Borison's work. Um, He's been reporting for WSA, and he spent a lot of time talking to folks in East Palestine. And he's written an article about the different ways people in the area have reacted to the disaster and all of this trauma that comes with something like that. It was really thoughtful and covers so many perspectives from people who are still demanding answers and have environmental concerns uh, and some folks who are ready to move past this. And one angle I thought that was really interesting was just kind of how this divide played out in like the local mayor's race. Oh, yeah. I haven't read that yet. I will. Thank you for the recommendation. Um, And obviously the immediate aftermath of the derailment was just devastating on its face. NPR reports that so far Norfolk Southern, the train company, has paid more than $800 million in the wake of all this. That is a hard number to pin down to. I've seen other outlets like the AP report close to $1 billion being spent. I wonder what all of that includes. Like, I mean, I'm sure it's going to so many different places. Yeah, like some of that money they've been spending on cleanup and legal fees. And uh, the companies also put money into the East Palestine community. So like schools, a new park, uh, that kind of thing. Good. Yes. Uh, I mean, In terms of those environmental concerns, the EPA says that it's safe to drink the water, safe to breathe the air, um, but that the cleanup process isn't done. Um, I really enjoyed reporting um, on this really since the whole story broke that from the Allegheny Front. They have podcasts and a weekend radio show on 90.5 FM here in Pittsburgh, if you're not familiar They've published a ton of stuff, but um, something recent, there's this stream or creek in East Palestine with sediment contamination. Um, Definitely check that out for the particulars. I thought it was so interesting, like how they're kind of weaving that story, but also talking about like the logistical challenge of dealing with this thing. Yeah, same. I saw that piece, too. Um, Definitely also. Uh, plus one in your recommendation for the Allegheny front. And I've read a bunch about people saying that they're still getting headaches, their eyes are burning, they have other symptoms from kind of being around that area and just in East Palestine in general. But regulators say that the stream, its name is Sulphur Run, that it's quote unquote recovering. But one person who lived there described like pushing into the stream bed and watching oil pool up like that shiny stuff that you see at the gas station, and that sounds not safe. So definitely um, still more that needs to be done. Yeah, and of course there have been lawsuits too. Yes, one from the state of Ohio. Um, The state filed a lawsuit against Norfolk Southern, but obviously, as we've mentioned before, these kinds of legal battles can really get dragged out. Mm -hmm. So the derailment was in February. That suit popped up last March. And then a few days ago, the Ohio Attorney General's office released a statement about the whole situation. But it's mostly about how they're looking into the root causes of the derailment, not as much about the lawsuit. So I'm sure there's going to be more another day. 
Yeah, it was surprising to me how it's been a year and they're still looking into those root causes, but I have no clue how long this kind of investigation takes. Nor I. Yeah, and there is also some legislation that's been introduced to make sure that this kind of disaster doesn't happen again. Yet another thing with a whole lot of steps. But yes, yes, um, the Railway Safety Act was supposed to create more safety requirements for trains carrying anything hazardous. um, But it was introduced last March and just made it to committee in December. So now we're in an election year and neither party wants to support anything that might make the other side look good. So personally, I don't really have any hopes for this. That's really disappointing. I mean, fingers crossed still. (laughs) Same, honestly. That would be really great. Um, And Biden has also said that he's going to be visiting East Palestine, but I don't think that's officially been scheduled yet. So we'll be keeping an eye on that and any more important developments. And like we said, links in the show notes. I know we covered a lot of information fast, but there's been a lot that's happened over the course of a year. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins and so will everyone else there be playful be imaginative explore your magical realm because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress you must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum its art its education and all of its community outreach initiatives get your tickets now to the 25th mattress factory garden party they are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's move on to something fun. The Iron City beer sign is back. Yes, and it's beloved red and white. I guess one change is that it says Iron City now instead of Iron City beer. But newsletter editor Francesca DeBecco is guessing it's because they also make whiskey now. Uh, We've mentioned before in our food show that the company's opened up a distillery, but back to this sign announcement. Yeah, it was sort of low key. Last week, Iron City Beer posted a picture on their Instagram of the sign uh, back up on that hillside at Mount Washington, kind of close to the Duquesne incline. Yeah. I loved the caption. It was just, quote, we back. <laughs> Short and simple. Um, since I haven't been here that long and I'm not a huge beer drinker, I don't have a ton of thoughts or feelings, but I like it when other people in the city are happy. Megan, are you glad to see it back? I mean... I don't have strong feelings about the Iron City beer sign. Like the origins of that are well before my time. 
I really liked when it was an alarm clock. It looked like an old school alarm clock that you'd see on your parents' bedside in like the 70s and 80s. But yeah, did you ever see a picture of that? I know that was before your time. No. And honestly, <laughs> I barely, I can like kind of imagine what alarm clock you're talking about from like TV shows, but I never owned anything like that. I mean, I didn't either. Mine was more Y2K inspired, but okay, I, okay. we still had a lot of old alarm clocks in the fam. Um, honestly, it just had great utility. Like if you don't know the time, that's fine. Just look up. I could see how that would be helpful. Um, don't have to, like, shove all my hands in my pockets looking for my phone. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe that'll make a comeback one day, too. And um, looks like someone at least agrees with you that the side needs some electrical component. A uh, comment on Instagram said it looks like cardboard, which, yes, it is not the most fancy <laughs> sign out there and that the sign needs to be lit up. So, I mean, I know you just said you were an alarm clock stand, but if the sign was cuter, had lights, was more about beer, would you be more enthused or do you not want ads on hills? I mean, I think like the whole ads on buildings, ads on hills is like a slippery slope, kind of <laughs> like I don't want the one is fine, but it always like makes me wonder, like, are they ever going to allow another one? There are weird rules about that in Pittsburgh, though. Maybe we'll get into that on a future pod. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing that's very nice is all the hills and the greenery. So I would also be upset if it turned into a giant ad. You know, I know you talked about the history of the sign over the summer when um went down and that black and gold cheer Pittsburgh, drink Pittsburgh one went up. Seemed like people weren't a huge fan of that. <laughs> um, and I was really surprised that y'all talked about that site has been used for some kind of billboard situation since 1921. That is far longer than I would have expected. Yeah. Shout out to Francesca for digging all of that up. Um, apparently that spot beats out the huge Hollywood letter signs by about two years. Yeah. So she never found out what actually went up first <laughs> here in Pittsburgh, like in that spot. But the Pittsburgh Brewing Company has had the hill. I guess they first had the hill from 1938 to the mid 50s. And when it was installed, it was the world's largest neon sign. So there was an electrical component to start, at least. Yes, I love that that large neon sign was repping beer. <laughs> you would. There have been a bunch of other ads there over the years, like Okoa Bear was there for a while. I remember that one. Sprint. Um, and then, of course, Iron City reclaimed their spot back in 2020. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to see what people thought about, you know, this latest return. I'm always poking around Reddit because I love hot takes and internet drama. Which we appreciate. You are always full of the goss. Thank you. And obviously there's a post in the Pittsburgh Reddit about the sign coming back now. And you're not the only person missing the clock. The really? Top yeah. You are not the only one. The top comment is not about Iron City. It is not about beer. The top comment is about how, quote, I want that shit back <laughs> and shit as in clock. But yes. the comment also mentioned the clock had the temperature and like trivia facts. Is that true? OK, I don't remember that. Maybe it was a different incarnation of the clock. Maybe we had multiple clocks. I have no idea. Well, trivia facts sounds really fun. <laughs> I just really liked that when there were big city events like the 4th of July fireworks or New Year's Eve, everyone standing on their porch, staring at the same spot on the point. We were all synchronized, you know, like if the city said that fireworks went off at 930 p.m., the dudes on the barge that were lighting them off could see when the clock struck 930. There was no question. You knew when it was happening. <laughs> That's true. But I'm also like late to things. And that feels more embarrassing if there's a giant clock. And I'm like, oops, sorry, lost track of time. <laughs> you make a fair point. 
But, you know, hearing all these like iterations and everything, I think maybe the sign from 1938 would have been my favorite. We'll link a photo of it. Um, it also had these like beer glasses on the side that apparently like filled up from the bottom. It when feels- you first said that beer glasses, I was imagining the like beer goggles thing, not like actual like clink glasses. Oh, no. These are like <laughs> clink glasses. I would have said yes. bottles, but that would have been inaccurate. The sign really has more glasses that you drink from. Yeah. But <laughs> that feels very Roku City is something you'd see in a cartoon and I want to live my life like I'm a little cartoon character. Plus that one also had a clock supposedly, Megan. So something for you too. True. I have now seen the photos. I know better. Um, clocks for everyone. <laughs> um, just not an analog one. We do have another clock still, like where Ascend, that climbing gym, is in the old Duquesne bottling plant on the south side. My only issue though is that it's not centrally located enough. Like it's just, it's not visible from the point. So I want, I want the point one back. Well, it's Pittsburgh, so what comes around often comes back. So I'm really rooting for you, Megan. (laughs) Well, before we go, one quick, super quick, sportsy thing. Not about any of our big teams, though. Uh, It's about local kids at the NFL Pro Bowl. I don't know what the Pro Bowl is, but I'm hearing local kids, so I imagine this is going to be cute. Uh, I think it's cute. Uh, so for most sports, the the Pro Bowl, All-Star Game, whatever, it happens in the middle of the season. Um, but football always does it sort of at the end. And it's not done oh. great the last few years. You mean like the ratings or the teams were bad? Like, what does that mean? So the teams weren't bad exactly. They just didn't seem to be trying that hard. Like, it's a oh, weird no. moment in the season to be doing it. I found this ESPN postgame story from 2012 that said that the players were, quote, hitting each other as though they were having a pillow fight, <laughs> which like, <laughs> really paints a picture. I've never watched the Pro Bowl until this year. Um, yeah. And which speaks to the ratings question because they were also tanking. I guess it's just that there weren't anything. There wasn't anything at stake, you know. So they retooled it last year into the, quote, Pro Bowl games and some Pittsburghers were there to represent this weekend. Well, I feel like the name Pro Bowl games game sounds less serious. Like, I'm sure I couldn't play, but like, (laughs) could I play? I mean, maybe Uh, like the main game, for example, is flag football now. Oh, I did that in high school as part of mandatory gym class. Did you have a lot of mandatory gym class? We had one freshman year. You had four Four years. years. Yes. Oh, in the South, they didn't care. They were like, one and done. You're good. <laughs> I mean, I basically stood to the side and kind of did a little back and forth, but no good. I was no good. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, speaking to our professional athletes, there were three Steelers that were chosen for that main flag football game. Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, both defense, and then a dude from special teams, the only special teams player for our conference, uh, Miles Killebrew. I think it's hilarious that there were no offensive players. That really speaks volumes about our current <laughs> team. Um, but there were a bunch of really stupid games for the professionals, too. The list is wild. What do you mean? I want to hear the list now. This is the part I thought you might like. Uh, So some are normal football things like passing, catching, snapping to a target, that kind of thing. Some were football skills applied to a very unconventional idea. This sounds silly. I want to hear it. I cannot wait. So I think the one that might speak to you, it was called Kick-Tack-Toe, where kickers from each conference tried to complete a tic-tac-toe line on a giant board on the field. I did not watch a video (laughs) of this, but it sounds wild. That does sound fun. I, that does not sound something like I could do, but it sounds like something I would definitely watch. 
Yeah. Um, and that was the idea, right? Like to get ratings up. There was also a tug of war, something called Move the Chains, where they had to move thousands of pounds of plates uh, off a bar and then across a line as a team. Ugh. It looked like oh. something from the CrossFit Games. Um a relay race, dodgeball, this golfing thing for some reason. Um, and then I think you would really like this one, a gaming component, a video yes. game thing. Where teams of two had to play Madden against each other um, using just the Pro Bowl roster. <laughs> <laughs> um, the golfing thing is really funny to me. I don't know why. Like, that feels very random to throw in as like, here's the one extra sport. And did they dig a hole in the field? Like, I'm confused. Um, but back to the Pittsburgh kids. Um, so there's children's flag football. There's like a whole league. Um, and we have a team here called the Pittsburgh Elite. Um, they had a couple of squads make the trip down to Orlando for the Pro Bowl this weekend. Um, and That's it looks like they fun. had a lot of fun. Yeah. How'd they do? Well, so the tournament website, I assume, managed at least to some degree by the NFL. It leaves a lot to be desired. They should improve <laughs> that. The URL looks fake. Um, but at least one of the Pittsburgh Elite teams seems to have made it to the championship. Yay! Um, they have videos of all their games online, like um, the NFL site does. Uh, and they're surprisingly decent. Like, they have in-game announcers. There's good audio quality. Even the scores have, like, nice, pretty graphics, like real teams. Um, but the championship game cuts off when we are at the goal line and down by seven. So I have no idea whether we won. No. Um, maybe we won. Maybe we lost. I am in suspense because this video just ends. So I guess if anyone was there or you know someone who was there, please let us know. Yes, please. Um, a friend of the pod, Tracy, emailed us about this. Tracy, I am dying here. Please update us on the kids. Um, also, the Pittsburgh Elite website um, looks like they're hosting squad tryouts soon. So those are $25, and there are different age groups for boys and girls. For boys, it's ages 7 to 15. There's, like, different brackets for ages. And then for girls, it looks like there's just one squad, ages 13 to 15. So those tryouts are coming up later this month. It's February 17th and 18th, and we will post a link to that in the show notes. Wait, wait, before you go, have you played flag football? I know you did like a lot of sports <laughs> things when you moved here to make friends. I don't know if this is something you've tried to. Oh, I played a ton of sports when I was younger. Um, not particularly well. But no, I never played flag football. Um, what? I was much nerdier, Sophia. <laughs> I have had fantasy football teams since I was in primary school, I think, and maybe most succinctly for my personality, my very first bylines were actually as the seventh and eighth grade football sideline reporter. That's amazing. <laughs> I had my post-game stories published in the town newspaper. I did not get paid. <laughs> well, I hope they're paying some little kid now who will become a reporter one day. That'd be fun. Full circle. It was, it's solidly community news, but I really still love reading it. Thank you so much, Sophia. This was fun. Yeah, this was. Thanks, Megan. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you haven't yet, please check out our website. It's pittsburgh.citycast.fm, and it's full of all our past shows and most of the great stuff that Francesca writes for the Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. Of course, there is always more for subscribers. Don't forget, please check it out, pittsburgh.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. Big yawn. Yep, that's how we start the day.